out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of the singer-songwriter all the way from Birmingham. It is the one and only Matthew Edwards, who I spoke to very recently to find out more about life, love and poetry. Was originally in a band in the late 70s, early 80s, who were called Dance. And then he's gone on to be in lots of other musical combos, including hairdressers, the music lovers, and more recently, Matthew Edwards and the Futurists, and also Matthew Edwards and the Unfortunates. So this is the into. So after several minutes of interest and but casual chat, we get down to that very exciting subject that was the early formative years. Matthew, we're waiting. We're ready. I, I had a series of epiphanies. I was very, very shy and withdrawn, uh, sort of quite child, until I saw Patti Smith. And I'd been to shows before. I'd actually been to, I'd, I'd seen like big rock acts, you know, and stuff. But then I saw Patti Smith and I'd bought hit, uh, horses the week before. It was, it'd been out about a year, I think. And um, everybody I'd ever seen prior to that had been sort of these golden gods on the stage, you know, with big light shows and untouchable human beings. And Patti Smith, I think in the third number when I saw her in Boom, was actually in the audience jumping around. And she, like, jumped from the pages of NME and the cover of Horses. And she was right next next to me down the front at the Birmingham Odeon. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And that's when I really got the thought that I wouldn't mind writing songs, to be honest. It was the only thing I wanted to do was write songs. And then the punk days, you know, the late 70s, I was pretty young, but I... The clubs in Birmingham were incredibly lenient and my parents were very lax with allowing me to do things. So basically, I'd go to Barbarella's in Birmingham once once or twice a week. And I saw every major punk band, uh, apart, right. from the Pistols, apart from the Pistols. I especially like all the American bands a lot, like Richard Hell and, and the Ramones and television and such. Right. That, like, so there was a series of epiphanies. And then, you know, pretty soon after, after punk happened, and the whole thing, and I started playing, getting, I got my first band together in 79, and, and we we were a really disparate bunch, but we really, we bonded over Patti Smith, the first couple of Eno albums we really liked, and we all, we were actually all really still liked T-Rex a lot, which was pretty, not exactly trendy in, you know, 1979, 1980, but we were, we were big fans of Mark, and that's where Dance, the, the band came from, you know. Yes, absolutely. Were your parents at all had any musical kind of influence, or did you have any older brothers or sisters who gave no, you some? I was, a, I, was a, I was an only child, but it's a very, very musical family. Both my parents are really good singers. Right. Uh, really, my dad is an exceptional singer. Um, you know, I would I can only aspire, and I credit myself as being a pretty good singer. But he was he was a great singer. My maternal, uh, my paternal grandfather actually played uh, banjo in Sanger's circus band for a couple of years. Right. And all my, on my dad's side, all my, all his, all his brothers and sisters, there were many, many of them. They all played, they all played piano and sang. Yes. And did you, um, I mean, at that stage, because I guess you saw King Rocker, didn't you? The, uh, the film on Robert Lloyd from the Nightingale. Oh yeah, Rob, Rob Singer. You know, I, I actually, 
I haven't been able to see it. I've seen loads of clips of it, and I know everybody who's in it, but and I've, I've known, I knew Rob because I used to go and see the prefects, you know, and I, I was I was friends with Joe from Joe Crow from the prefects, and I still am friends with Joe. Yeah. Um, who is really a super talent. And um, but I was very disappointed when that version of the prefix split up um, because I, um, with with Paul Appley and Joe and Eamon and Rob, because I just thought it was a phenomenal band. And then then, you know, then Rob has this big these number of years where, where I thought he was doing was interesting and, and all right. And, and uh, you know, I wasn't didn't really bother by it. And then the recent Nightingale stuff has been absolutely fantastic. He's just. He's, you know, he's blossomed again and the band's great. And I love, I've seen them live a couple of times. They're just really good. So a second coming for Rob and, and I'm, I'm, I applaud him for it. Yes, I know. It's it, it's a nice film, you know, but we all became yeah. very familiar. But then also there's this song. I don't know if you, did you come across, across Lawrence from Felt as well? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, my friend Mick was a bass player. My God rest his soul, my friend Mick Lloyd. Right. I actually went, I think I was actually at Felt's first ever show. If it first or second ever show, yeah. Right. But you know, Lawrence never I mean I knew Lawrence because he lived on Trafalgar Road in mostly right by us. And I would see him around. And I obviously my friend Mick was playing with him. But I mean, you know, Lawrence was always a, a fairly peculiar chap. Um, but always perfectly pleasant in my interactions with him, you know. And yes. but he, he, he did really keep himself apart a lot of the time. Yes. Which, no, he, when he went into his second band, Denham, he did an yeah. amazing song called The Osmonds or Osmonds, didn't he, where he describes the 70s quite beautifully, but also yeah, yeah. The, the Birmingham bombings. And all yeah. The, yeah, and it was he refers a, to Birmingham a lot. I mean, there's a lot of Birmingham. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff in his songs, you know, that he, he's a product of the city. You know, he's a real Bromley Lawrence. Um, and I can think of a few bands that really just echo the, the city itself, um, broadcast being a very obvious one. Broadcast are the sound of Birmingham. Black Sabbath are the sound of Birmingham. Lawrence is the sound of Birmingham. You know, Steel Pulse are the sound of Birmingham. Yeah. You know, so um, it's an interesting mix and match. We never had the kudos of a Manchester or, or a Liverpool or whatever, but um, I don't, I've never really cared. I mean, I, I love Birmingham as a place and I love the people. It's produced some incredible music. Yes, well, absolutely. I'm amazed Cherry Red Records haven't done a compilation, really, of that kind of period, actually, because they have done one on Liverpool, Sheffield and Manchester and then Scotland, which is a bit of a, a, bit of a wide one, really. So, look. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, and and obviously during the 80s, I don't know if Terry and Jerry came from Birmingham, but I know that. Yeah. Were, were they? Yeah, and we've, yeah, we've got a fuzz box and we've got to use it. So yeah. it, 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 it all it all happened into in the eighties. Bindaloo Records, we loved it. Ted Chippington. Rob, uh, Rob, so yeah, I like the Legs of Kimbo single. That was a good record. Yes. Uh, and he had a band. There was a band. My my, my friend Andy Birchall, who played with the, the Gales sometimes, was um, he had a band called the Bombites, who did an album for Bindaloo as well. That was uh, I, I enjoyed. When they got pretty left field, I was quite happy. Never really cared for Fuzzbox or that all that much, but you know, hey, it's like. They had their yeah. moments. Yeah. You know. Everybody had the moments, you know. It all got very, very indie in, in, in Birmingham in, in the late 80s. I mean, in a good way, there were some good promoters doing some good stuff, good things happening, but it just didn't interest me. I thought I'd kind of moved away from that by then. Yes. You know, I really was listening to, I, I mean, I was 
after sort of 84, 80, whatever, I was really just listening to a lot of funk and jazz, uh, free jazz and, and a lot of dub, dub reggae, you know. Um, so that was my late 80s kind of transition. And, and a lot of singer-songwriter stuff as well. Like I, I got into... I got into Nick Drake in the mid '80s and John Martin and a lot, lots of other influences. So I didn't really feel like I wasn't, I wasn't part of the sort of um, the Birmingham, in, for want of a much nicer word, indie village at the time. You know, I was kind of apart from it. Yes, I know it's one of those. We, as a fan, you always think everybody lives in some communal house or just hangs out at some communal pub and they all have a great time. But the reality yeah. is never quite like that, is it? Really? So. Well, there was, there was, there was, there was elements of that. I mean, we, we, we'd all go to the same pubs in Birmingham in the early 80s. You know, we, we, we all graduated from the Fighting Cocks to, well, not Fighting Cocks, sorry, the the, the Crown, um, the Push the Big Punk pub, and then we all gravitated towards to the Fox and the Aussie Bar and slightly more, the, the more sort of dressy uppy folks, a bit, a bit like myself, would go to the Aussie Bar. So, yeah, it, there was a scene. We, everybody knew each other, you know? Yes. So with dance, then, you know, this you formed sort of it was like 79, which is a kind of a quite a moment, really, as a year, doesn't it, politically, because yeah. that's the year, you know, Thatcher gets in. Then 1980, we had the Faulkner War, the the miners strike, Green and Common. We all thought we were going to be nuked. And um, yeah. So yeah. what was what was the kind of idea behind the band? Did you leave school at 16 or were you still at school during that no, time? I, I did. I did my A-levels uh, and then I went to university a bit later. Uh, I had a break, um, but no, it's seventy. I was still at school in seventy nine. I, I, I was doing my A levels, um, and the climate. I, I was so single minded that I wanted to be a singer and a songwriter and in a band that it was just kind of like this is it. I am, you know, I'm full on to do this. And we recorded, and you know, and we have we had quite a lot of interest in 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 dance from from people. Um, and we should have done records and whatever, but we we were also we were very very much working class lads who went to grammar school in Birmingham, and we were kind of arty, but we also we were quite a wayward bunch of characters. You know, there was a lot of like um, petty petty crime going on, larceny, and we 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 didn't make a lot of friends because some of the people who were following us around were a little bit bullshit all very right. intelligent very intelligent very tasteful guys but you know people don't know what to do with with um literate uh, and intelligent working class boys and girls they just don't know what to do with them it's much you know middle class and upper middle class people you know they have they have a kind of inbuilt confidence where they don't you know that, that we didn't have Yes, a certain arrogance that it doesn't matter yeah. how much how how you yeah. act. Eventually, you will just put a suit on and yeah. go into that job. And there was a lot. Of, I mean, there was a lot of posing as well by certain people who who really were nice, comfortable, came from very nice, comfortable middle class homes. Um, not to say that there weren't damaged homes or blah 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 blah. Um, and we 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 were we were just scruffy oiks who liked Brian Eno. And you know, Patty Smith and, and Art Rock, and you know, but we, we weren't the lump and proletariat that you know a lot of people would have thought. Yes, we, were, we, we weren't sham 69, you know. No, no, you definitely weren't. So, when you, I mean, because on the on the compilation that came out for that Birmingham compilation, you've got is it revolve around you? 
this yeah. is the, this is the single. Did you go into the studio and record much other stuff, or was it kind of? Um... Yeah, we, we we actually recorded. We had with with dance. We did three one two three three sessions with Bob Lamb, who's the studio in Birmingham at the time, and did a total of about ten songs. Um, some of which was good, some of which has not stood the test of time. And, and the best songs that we had, we didn't record, which is often the case, you know. But there's a good, there's a really good live um, tape from the Fighting Cocks, one of the final shows. That's just, you know, why did we pack it in? I don't know. Yes, why did you pack it? In? So you were, you were sort of aware of all the people around, like members of Duran Duran and um, the Lilac yeah. Times and Stephen Duffy yeah. and all that bunch. Yeah. So they were all sort of people you were just bumping into. Yeah, yeah. I Steve, uh, Steve would drink at the Fox. The Hawks. I knew all the Hawks boys. I knew Dave Cusworth. You know, I knew Nicky, Nicky Sudden. Although he wasn't around as much, I knew Nicky and got friends with him. You know, from the Swell Maps. And I was knew, I knew the Au Pairs people pretty well. And of course, the Giannis. You know, um, Nigel was a really nice bloke. Actually, John. You know, was a really, really nice fellow. Always, always really liked him and Roger. Least said about the others, <laughs> soon as mended. But right, he was a lovely fella. Yes, and um, swell maps, yeah, yeah, and 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 Steve Duffy from uh, from the subterranean hawks, amazing, <laughs> yes, I know he's done so well actually. So then, sort yeah, of come... he's, made really, he's made some really good records, Stephen. He's 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 uh, I mean, I haven't seen him in 35 years, but uh, yeah, he's I mean, he's you know, he's he's uh... <laughs> Steve, yeah, <laughs> he managed to get the call. Was it with Robbie he did some record writing with? Robbie Williams. Yeah, 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 I think he did that. Yeah, the, yeah, I think he did, did an album with Robbie Williams. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, his first Lilac Time album was really good. I know. And, uh, and it's scattered throughout, throughout his work is some, some good songs, you know. Yes. So kind of 83, is this the end of, of dance? Is that the 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 kind of, to quote... Yeah, we, we left, we left, we left uh, myself, the, the, the new bass player, Simon Colley, and Mark Young, the second guitarist, left... Um, and we were going to form another band, and it was a really bad idea. And then that fell apart. And then I did some solo recording. Um, I did a solo recording, some solo recording with a guy called um, Pete King, who did a lot of the early uh, Steve Duffy stuff, and he worked a lot with. Um, he'd done Steel Pulse's album, and and uh, so I, I, did, I did. And I did this session with Pete, um, which was four songs that I'd written solo. And uh, a management, a manager in London heard the stuff and said, oh, I really like this. Have you got a band? And I'm like, no, I don't. It's basically just just me and some people I, I dragged in. And at the same time, the people I dragged in, which were a couple of ex-members of the Hawks, um, Steve's band, uh, and a guy, Paul Kamaski from a great Birmingham band called The Nervous Kind. Yes. Uh, who are a wonderful band. Um, and we we formed the band Somerville, which is the band that got signed to, to Virgin. Fantastic. So some so Richard Branson thought this is it. We're gonna we we we're taking a punt on this guy, these guys. I, I, I don't I don't even think Richard Branson knew who we were, but uh, yeah, one of the executives, this really sleazy dude, really sleazy, set the whole satin jacket, scarf, and and blonde highlight hair that you, you, you're quintessential horrible A&R fellow from the really 80s yes yeah yeah in the 80s yeah he was he was he was from LA and you know we would walk into his office and he would have uh one of his minions brushing his hair for him 
it was uh, it was it was gross and i you know i kind of i was rubbed me up the wrong way and I, I, I was always I was fairly mouthy in those days but they gave us a lot of money and we got tons of recording we, we recorded constantly for, for like and I learned how the studio works yes I learned how arrangement works and I work and you know and I did I did get my wish which was I wanted um the album that we were making for Virgin um I really wanted to work with a guy called Peter Walsh who just done the Scott Walker album, Climber to the Hunter. And I loved that record, loved it. And uh, so we got him and he did the album. Fantastic. That was, never, that was never released. Blimey. What, actually, was the, what was the name of the band? Somerville. Somerville. You never heard of us. Never heard of us. We did a few gigs in the late 80s. Um, but, you know, other than that, as I say, we were crucified by the Virgin deal. We oh. were kind of like, oh, if I was to say, we were, we were, a bit like um, Scritti Politti, maybe was the yes. closest you could possibly come towards. Yeah. So, um, did you do? Do you still have? A, do you have any copies of the album or any any? Rec- uh, you know. Yeah, I've got. I've, we've got every. I've got everything. I've got. I've got the whole the whole shaboodle, everything. Yeah, I, I I keep it. I've, I've archived. I've got everything I've ever recorded. That's a wise choice, isn't it? That is good. Okay. Does that mean you own it as well, or do you sort of? I don't. I don't, I don't own the Virgin stuff. I don't own the Virgin stuff, the Masters, or whatever. That's probably either been burnt or locked up. Or so I have copies of it all, you know. Um, and it's all right. It's okay, you know. I mean, I like to say. I mean, I didn't start writing what I would consider really good songs until I was much older. Right. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't start writing a really good song um, until what I considered a good song until my uh, sort of late thirties, mid mid to late thirties. Yes. And then that's when I started actually coming into, into my own, I think. Yeah. So what, so that was kind of, that was the late eighties Somerville. Yeah. And then obviously musically, you know, I know you mentioned the singer songwriters and, and dub reggae, which is a good combination between yeah. August, Augustus Pablo and Nick Drake. And <laughs> A couple of touchstones there for me. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I've always, I mean, I've always loved dub because when I was brought up in in Birmingham, Small Heath, not um, was uh, it was the prevalent sound was reggae. So I was brought up in a, a you know a decent percentage of got a large percentage of, of Jamaican West Indian uh, in my in my immediate area. So it was just kind of in the air. I like that music, so I, I liked it. Gravitated yes. towards. But then during, during you know, because I, I sort of, you know, in a very simplistic way, I put, you know, for me, the 80s, there was a massive, I mean, it was jo- all about John Peel and the John Peel show as every, you know, yeah. all the cliches. So I loved everything he played from the Bundu boys, the Gregory Isaacs and, and you know, oh, yeah. all that kind of napalm death and in that great excitement. But I suppose the Smiths between 83 to 87 was a bit of a chapter. But then when they kind of split and then that kind of, that closes and then ecstasy comes along, and then you get the dance scene, then you get the Seattle grunge scene. You know, things yeah. kind of do change again. So I just wondered what it was like for you as an artist and a, a singer and songwriter dealing with that kind of next phase. Because I guess you were still in your late twenties or um in the late in the late eighties. Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a very frustrating time for me. And it was in in the late eighties, I uh you know, I'd spent I'd spent a bit a bit of time in the late eighties um, stagnating badly because of uh, a variety of uh, reasons, which I don't really want to go into on the radio. Um, um, so, 
I came out of that in the very late 80s and uh, I went to New York City and stayed with friends and started traveling a lot more and spent some time in Portugal and 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 Spain and, and back to France because I've always been a really big Francophile. I love, love, I love French culture, I love French art, music, whatever, food. So I, so I just kind of tried to reinvent myself. And then eventually I ended up, you know, around about 91, I came here because some friends of mine who'd been in New York decided, let's go to San Francisco and form a band, you know? Yes. <laughs> so, so I came to San Francisco and I formed a band. Was it that easy? Well, I knew the guys, you know, there were people I'd known from Birmingham, New York. So uh, easy now. We didn't know what we were doing. We just thought we'll form a band. And, you know, in, in the early 90s in San Francisco, very early 90s, uh, there was an enormous amount of ecstasy abuse. Everybody was doing a huge amounts of V and was really into the right thing, which I had completely gone off before I left England because I used to work at a, a rave for a friend of mine serving the soft drinks till the early morning hours, listening to this dreadful music. Yes. <laughs> You've got to be completely and utterly off your tits to, to enjoy. And I'm sorry, I love electronics. I love electronic music, but some of the stuff around that time, I was just was like, oh, God, this is so dreary. Yes. So was that first kind of combo that you brought together when you were in San Francisco, was that the hairdressers? No, we had a band called the Holy Roman Empire. Before? Yeah, before the hairdressers, we had the Holy Roman Empire, and uh, it was that that fizzled out due to drug abuse, deportations, um, arguments, all sorts of things that sort of frittered apart. Uh, and then I formed, I then I got the hairdressers together. Yes, um, and the hairdressers, you know, were were. Uh, I really wanted to, I wanted to sound like Mutt the Hoople. And T-Rex, I wanted to like, you know, be, being a rock and roll band, it was kind of a reaction to a lot of the house and, you know, the dance music stuff that I didn't care for at the time. And I'm like, I just want to be, you know, turn it up and make it loud. And, and so that's really what the hairdressers did. But good songs, though. I mean, I, I started writing some good songs at that point. And we we assigned to a little label here. Is that Musat? Suzette, yeah, yeah, Musette. Um, and uh, the week after the record was supposed to be being released, they went bankrupt. So that sort of stymied that. But they had paid for the record um, and they paid quite a bit of money to make it, although we did it all on analogue in, in a lovely mountain studio, you know, blah, 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 and, and we're good people here. Um, and then about a year after the album was supposedly out to, like, one amazing review from one fanzine here saying it was the record of the year and blah, blah, blah. And then um, I bought all the remaining stock and the rights to the album back off the label of $500. Right. <laughs> so so I, owned, I owned it, you know, but it, 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 it was a, it was a, it was a work in progress towards what came next, really the hairdressers, you know, which was a good it, rock and roll. Was it mostly you and Paul Kamansky? Yes. Kamaski, Paul Kamaski. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Paul was in the hairdressers. He did the album with, with John Bruder, um, with me, and a couple of other guitar players, Brian, and a guy I'd met here from, because I was running a cabaret here in the early, 80, early 90s. For a few years, 
I did a I did a cabaret thing on a Tuesday and brought lots of different acts in, fire eaters, comedians, singers, songwriters, da 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 da, da and I was the MC and it was very, very popular um, for about seven or eight years until I, I packed it in. And, uh, and I used to draw people from that. Um, right. The people that I thought, oh, you're good. You come and do this with me. Oh, you're good. You come and do this with me. And San Francisco, those first, like, maybe seven or eight years I was here until the dot-com explosion, was a really great, really quite a magical place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Paul, Paul's played with me on and off um, for many, many, many years, and we're still really close friends. He he runs a recording studio now in, in Brunswick, in Maine, on, on the East Coast, but I, I still go and see him and such. So. Yeah, excellent. Because I know that San Francisco, obviously, there was this theatre company called the Coquettes from the yeah, from the Coquettes, yeah. yes, they were. Sylvester was part of the Coquettes. The he mighty was. Yes, dear old Sylvester came out of that scene. But there's been quite a few people have written their books lately, Fayette and Pam Tent, and yes, they're still rocking, aren't they? And are rolling quite a lot of them, which is amazing. Yeah, it's, been... yeah, it's really good. It's really good that yeah, I mean that was the you know then the Cockettes went to New York and completely bummed, and that was the end of that, unfortunate. Because you you can get away with a kind of an amateur, you could get away with a kind of an amateurishness or a shtick or some quiche value in San Francisco. That you know it likes that. <coughs> It likes to, but you take that to New York and expect people to like that San Francisco shtick in a in a proper big city. You're gonna get stunk, you know. Those yes. people can see right through you. Not that I haven't seen some amazing. There's been some amazing music come out of this city since I've been living here. You know. Yes. So was yeah. then so after the 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 hairdressers was it the music lovers was it your next musical kind of yeah. adventure. Yeah, music lovers, yeah, and that was really went back to my the real singer songwriter kind of stuff. But I was listening to like you know Tim Buckley and Fred Neil and and you know Nick Drake, um, but also you know back to one of my old loves like the Velvet Underground. And it was very very song based. I was I was listening to like Jimmy Webb and, and Glenn Campbell at the time, and and we did we did the album, and um and I got so another great epiphany was I sent. A three-song demo, um, very different songs I recorded in my friend Sean's front room, to five labels that I really liked, that I thought, I want to do a record on these five labels. And um, so I didn't hear anything. And then in the space of three days, or whatever it is, in, I got two phone calls, phone calls from two of the two of these labels. And um, I ended up signing with signing with Le Grand Magistry. Yeah. Which, is, which is one of the great American boutique labels of all time. And he, he deserves a, a blue plaque, Matthew Jacobson, because of the roster and the, the amazing music he put out. So I was really honoured, really honoured, and I still am, that I put those three albums, Music Lovers out, albums out on uh, on Le Grand Magistry because, my God, he talk about an, a great, a tastemaker, that man is it. Yes, well, absolutely. Momus is on that label, isn't he? Yeah, Momus, who, strangely enough, I, I opened for in England uh, a few years, uh, four, four years ago. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, Nick's great. He's, he's, he's really good. And, you know, and that, that wonderful A Girl Called Eddie um, EP that he put out, I oh, was just a standard. And Mascot's album's great. And The Blood Group. I mean, everybody on that label at the time was uh, was really good back in day or you know every all those records are great some of it's quite indie you know shoestring stuff and back in day pascal but 
great stuff. I mean, in, in a parallel universe, Pas Pascal would have been as big as Bell and Sebastian, you know? Yes, absolutely. But then, because the first album you did, The Words We Say Before We Sleep. Sleep, yeah. This, this is the first one, which is yeah. kind of, that, that came out, was that 2004, wasn't it? Yeah, about 2004, yeah. We, we put an EP out before that. We, we, he wanted to put a four-track four EP of the demo out, some of the demos we'd done, um, which would cost about $60 to make. But it, we'd put that out first. And, you know, I um, – and that was great. I managed to I managed to secure the rights to use um, a still from Grey Gardens for the cover of that, you know, with an Albert Maisley's. And I actually talked to Albert, and he, he was very – gracious and said if I like the music you can use the image so I sent this the CD to him at, at the Maisler's brother's office in New York and he wrote back to me and said yeah I like it you can use it and I said what what, what charge and he's like you can just use it I'm like oh my god this is fantastic so I always like trying to do I won't say audacious it sounds like I'm blowing my own trumpet but I do like to try and get um, good people to, you know, to either work with me or I use their their work. And I'll always credit everybody, obviously, you know. Yes, absolutely. No, it's good. It's amazing. So with that, that you know, you you know, in a very short period of time, you brought out three albums, didn't you, during the, yeah. the kind of O years. So you were obviously, were you feeling like this was your kind of creative kind of high high point at that, so far in your career? At that point, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Those, those three albums um, are... are I really, really proud of especially the first. Um, there are great, and there's really great. There's good, there's good stuff on all of them, but I'm, I'm, I think all three of those. I mean, they all sold, you know, in indie terms, they all sold pretty well, you know, and they, I still get contact from people in Japan and such to say, oh, I love that music, lovers, blah 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 blah, which is kind of gratifying. That you know, that nothing sold in massive quantities, but I think they all sold out. Yes, amazing. So that's all right, you know, for a li some a little indie band from San Francisco, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty good. Like, I just love being on that label and I love going to play in New York City and, and the people in the band were, re were really good and not, I, you know, I managed to bring together some great people to work with me um, generally during that, that band's lifespan and we, we, we were quite popular in LA as well. It was, it was good. It was, a good. it was a good time, but when it was time... To quit, I always said three up. You know, I did the Lawrence thing, <laughs> three albums with this band, and I'm done. You know, except he did ten or right. ten years. You know, um, and that was it. So that's that's when you know I decided that was enough for that, and I wanted to do something that was um, a bit more, for want of a better word, primitive or primitive folky sort of stuff, or just something that wasn't too slick. And that didn't quite happen, <laughs> but um, but I did what I wanted. I've always done exactly what I wanted to do. So was this Matthew Edwards and the Unfortunates? Was this the... That's what, yeah, I decided I'd wanted to talk, complete change of personnel, which I did. I took one one uh, music lover with me, Isaac Burnell, who still plays with me now, uh, who's an uh, accordion pianist, and now, now he plays lead guitar with me. And, uh, I took him with me to do the, the Unfortunate. We started out as a three-piece with my, uh, my friend Adaya playing um, viola. Uh, cello, viola, viola de gamba, and we were doing gigs as a three-piece, which was pretty folky. Yes. And um, and a guy, you know, and then I brought in a drummer from my my ex-wife's band, Christina, and I brought in my bass player Barry Barry Burst, who's a br brilliant bass player, and Jefferson Marshall. I just 
put I put a group. What I decided was I wanted to play with a group of people, and they needn't necessarily be the best musicians, but I have to really like them all, and I have to really want to be in the room with them. And that, and that, that from from that point forward, from um, the start of the unfortunates, that's what happened. And you know, I just brought in people. I, I really like you. You're great. Let's 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 be friendly and make music. Yes, actually. So the first release was The Fates. This is your first album release. Yeah, The Fates. Yeah, The Fates. Um, there was a weird thing about The Fates. was um, not a weird thing, but I, I actually met a guy at a show. Um, and uh, this is a good sidebar of the whole tech explosion here. He said he wanted to f- help me finance a record. And he didn't really know what, what he wanted to do or what making a record entailed or anything like that. But he, um, he he sort of financed it for me. And then we, we, we pressed it up and he, he got the record label kind of thing together. And um, we released it, sort of independently released it. And then um, I, man- I managed to get um, my pal Rex Ray, God rest his soul, who's very good, a great artist. Um, unfortunately, he's dead now, um, to, do, to do the sleeve. We did a beautiful litho sleeve and it was recorded to really high quality and really good standard. And that's when I started working with um, Eric Drew Feldman. Right. Uh, Eric, who'd been in the Magic Band with Captain Beefheart. And uh, and I also worked with, uh, with I was, you know, I'm a big fan of like, ugh, sounds silly, I'm being a bit too eclectic here. I'm actually kind of a big fan of that sort of 70s art rock that wasn't prog thing so like Henry Cow and especially Slap Happy and stuff like that and I was listening to a lot of Faust as well but I saw on that record I actually got Fred Frith from Henry Cow to come and play guitar as well which was pretty marvelous yeah which was pretty marvelous and then subsequently on the later records Dagmar sang Dagmar Krauss sang on them. Blimey that's amazing that's, that's that's quite a super group isn't it yeah if you don't ask you don't get no. You know, it, and I'm, 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 but I'm, maybe I'm not quite so cheeky now, but I mean, I just, I, I approached Fred, and because he, he, he was a teaching here at Mills College, and I sent him a tape, and I, and I said, would you like to play guitar on this? And he said, yes, I definitely would. He came down, did these absolutely amazing solos and Ebo work, and manipulating the strings with you know his screwdrivers and the things that he does, and it was brilliant. And, uh, and but I, he wanted a particular kind of whiskey, uh, sort of semi-rare whiskey. So he did the session for a bottle of whiskey. Blimey! Admittedly, not a cheap bottle of whiskey. No, this is true. <laughs> but, uh, he did another session afterwards for another one with a bottle of whiskey. I asked, actually saw Fred only about two months ago. He's such a lovely guy. And this, and he's on the Fates, is he? Which track is this? Uh well, the Fates. He's on uh, the Way to the Stars. He's on accident, but you can't really hear him. Well, you can. I can hear him, but because he, he does some really weird stuff. I can't remember what else, actually. I'll have to go and pick the record up and take a look. Yes. Oh, he's on Ghost. He's on Ghost as well. Fantastic. So you won quite a creative role here, actually, when you went into Folklore. Did you have the cha- <coughs> a change of lineup again for Folklore, or was this quite well, folklore set? Was pretty, folklore was pretty set. And then, you know, when we did um, the... Yeah, then there was a big sea change. Obviously, I did folklore. Folklore did did pretty well. Got great press. I got wonderful press on it. Uh, all the the Inkies wrote nice things, and that was lovely. And then when the second album, you know, um, well, what happened then didn't stymie anything. But um, 
I, my, my mother and father, they got old. Yes. Old, old, they got old. And, you know, being an only child and big extended family, but nobody really to look after them, I moved, I moved back to England with my, my wife, ex-wife, wife, and my daughter, who was a baby at the time. And we moved back to Birmingham. And the very first thing when I got to Birmingham, not the very first, within a couple of weeks of being back in Birmingham, I got back in touch with Derek Simmons, who I'd been who had played in Somerville with me, and had been friend a friend of mine since the early '80s, and was just an amazing drummer. And he'd, he'd subsequently worked with all, all manner of big kind of hip hop and funk artists. You know, he, he actually played drums, live drums with Coolio and people like that. Amazing. Um, so, so I brought he and I got together, and then I brought. Um, Good, really good. David, a really amazing pianist, in, and then subsequently my friend Bobby, uh, Bob Doug, um, uh, who'd been in the Scarecrows in the eighties, and I knew from Birmingham. And then uh, later on, the uh, the the amazing Mister, you know, Craigus Craigus Barry, but that was much later. But yeah, so we did that album in England. We did we did the the second album, um, Folklore in England. With uh, with what's his face with with John Rivers, you know, who who obviously done all the, a lot of the felt stuff. Yes, the famous John Rivers. God, that's yeah, a... John. He's what a, studio he's a... did you use for that? Woodbine in, in Leamington. Right, his studio that he still runs, and he's just he's actually just done some mixing for me as well. Yeah, yeah, John's a total wizard, man. He's 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 pretty pretty marvelous, and he's done. I mean, from the swell maps through, you know, the, the uh, felt. Dead can dance. I mean, he, you know, he did a lot, a lot of recording with the specials, and he still, I mean, he still does Lawrence's music now, you know. Yes. Well, who was Lawrence's guitar player during that period? Who's who's uh, the... in the felt period? It was Morris. Uh, oh, Morris, that's it. Morris, yeah. Morris, he, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's completely to... disappeared, hasn't he? He, he made, I think he made like one single. Uh, one one track or one single post um, felt and then not, nothing. Um, I know I did actually. I saw Lawrence in Cologne. Um, uh, I went to, I went to Cologne to see Slap Happy play, and, and they were showing his movie there. So I sat and had a chat with him, and um, he he said to me then I, I said oh I said you know that Mick died Mick Lloyd who was the bass player. He said yeah I heard about that but he didn't know any details. So, we had a chat about that, and then he's and I said, "Oh, do you ever hear anything from Morris? Do you ever contact?" And he said, he "Said I've tried, I've reached out, and um, never, he never responds." Mm, bit sad, actually. Yes, Lawrence of Belgravia. Yeah, yeah. yes, good that movie. It's all right. It's good. Go kart Mozart. We love it. But then, yeah. yes. So you were sort of back in Birmingham. Actually, it's kind of interesting because a woman called Rachel, who I spoke to recently, who's who seems to be back in Birmingham after a band called Delicious or Delirium or something like that. Um, uh, Rachel, Rachel uh, May- Mayfield. That's the one. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't actually know her, but I just know who I know. She 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 did some singing with a friend of mine's band, the Black Bombers, right. with David. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazingly. Um, connected isn't it so did you were you still in Birmingham when you did the third album the Birmingham Poets or were you back yeah. in so no, right I did that with the same lineup with, with that by this time I had Craigus on lead guitar and we did the Birmingham Poets record now Birmingham Poets album yeah the, the folklore I'd done for uh Gerda Nord which is a London label once again with a really good catalogue of stuff I did that record for them but 
after that album, we I'd started getting quite a lot of interest in France. So subsequently, um, we signed to I signed to a French label called December Square. Yes, uh, and that's when we did uh, we recorded uh, the Birmingham Poets in 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 Leamington and Birmingham, and I, I did some sessions back over here as well. But it was all done in in in, in the Midlands, you know. And uh, you know, if 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 I have if anybody ever asks me, you know, what what if you want to listen to my music, if you want to know what I've done or what the combination of all those years' work is, the Birmingham Poets is pretty much it. It's a, it's definitely the best record I've ever made. Yeah. And um, I mean, artistically, I do love the cover. It is a stunning cover. Who who photographed that one? Uh, it's you know, it's really strange. The guy, uh, the guy, I found it online. Uh, it's very very obscure, um, and it's actually by a it's a Canadian photographer. I think he's French Canadian, um, and I found it, and it took me ages to track down him down to ask him. It's just, it looks like it's bonfire night in England or something. Yes, it does. It's not actually. It's taken in Canada, um, and I, I asked him. And he said, "Yeah, you can you can use it." <coughs> so so he sent me a super high res version of it, and I sent it to Pascal uh, Blau uh, in 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 Paris, who's the guy who was running the label, and also is an amazing graphic artist, and has done a lot of work with well, lots of good people like Michael Head. He's done all Michael Head and Strands and oh, that wow. stuff. Does all his sleeves and works with Nouvelle Vague and so uh, and so and he put the sleeves together. It's a beautiful cover. I mean, it's a beautiful cover, and I, I, I love that record. That was it's been out what three years now. Yes. Have you been kind of influenced by people like <clears throat> David Bowie? I was thinking of Black Star when he recorded and wrote that song um, yeah. album. And obviously, you know, we all have this experience now as we're getting older, dealing with our own life and health and our parents, which is another whole thing to cope with has that yeah. kind of been quite has that fed a lot into your creative and emotional work as well I think being back in Birmingham was was a great change in things I mean I was back where I was born and brought up and then watching people and you know uh, sadly since that record I mean you know um I, we, we we played the record release for the Birmingham Poets in Birmingham. And uh, Derek, my drummer, uh, became poorly. And uh, we, we gigs after that were somewhat sporadic. And, you know, I went off and I toured with Nouvelle Vague, but I did that solo. I did I did a full UK tour with them, which was great. But, and, uh, and then um, subsequently, uh, Derek's uh, illness got worse. And he was really kind of my, my, my side kick with the that version of the band and he he died uh i i i i'd come back here it's it it's yeah it's i'd, I'd come back here he died my mum died he died my marriage broke down uh and i lost two really close friends other than derek in the space of three months yeah and then kobe kicked in and then COVID oh boy! Oh joy! Oh bliss! I mean, I managed to get it. I mean, because I, I work, I have a day job, and I have, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a, a man of leisure. I'm not some bon vivant, you know. I mean, I, I work in rehab. I'm a rehab counselor. I work in rehab. I've done it. I work with people in long-term incarceration, addiction, you know, yes. mental health issues, whatever. That's what I've done. I've done that for years. But um, yeah, that was a so it was a real kick in the teeth. But you know, I'm, I got <clears throat> I got the Birmingham poets out of it. Uh, uh, 
before everything fell apart. Yeah. Yeah, my God, what a, what a decade this has been <laughs> turning out to be. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's been it's been crazy, you know. It's, it's, and then then I recorded a lot of songs with with my friend Isaac here. Uh, I I have a friend uh, who uh, is um, actually works for works for George Lucas. He's at Star Skywalker Ranch. He's a Foley man. Right. Worked on, worked on Saving Private Ryan, all that kind of stuff. Um, He's a good pal, and he we I recorded a lot of songs at his place during uh, during lockdown. Some co-writes as well, which I hadn't done for forty years. Co-writes yes. with Isaac. So we're just wondering what to do with those now. I, I don't know. Have you got a sort of a, a a body of work to potentially go out or be finished and released? Yeah. There's an album. This we've got an album's worth. I'm I'm still I'm still uh, it. I'd say it's really really good. It's 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 really good, but it's it's very different again. Um, very much like uh, much more kind of folky, but with a definite sort of uh, art rock, art rock, folky kind of vibe to it, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what will happen with it. I mean, I'm an older chap now, and older chaps don't get a lot of work unless you're Rob Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so we'll see. I mean, uh, I still like to play out. I've got a rock and roll band together here. It's with the Futurists, you know. Um, we we did this. We, we're much more kind of an up, much more doing that, like folk, crowd rock, you know, kind of things. We all like can and, and that. Yes. And, and, and we, we kind of jam out a bit more, a bit, a bit Buffalo Springfield as well. So that's fun. You know, I, I'm enjoying doing it, but. As regards higher aspirations, I really don't know. M music's been quite uh, quite tortuous for me, really. I, what, I, I just, what recently, or just just generally? It's, it's never been fun. It's, <laughs> it's you know, I mean, that, you know, an hour on stage is a great deal of fun, and, and I really enjoy being in the studio. I love recording, but I do find it quite quite. Uh, I, I put so much into it so much of myself and, and my heart and soul into what the things that I produce that it really do, it, it's telling on other areas of my life and 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 the, I, I, no I don't regret anything at all I really loved doing it but fun nah yes have you been sort of quite amazed how many people because you know I've noticed from doing these interviews you know a lot of people had that kind of five years in the sun but not having much fun but it looks like they're having fun you know like they they get together they have the 12 month honeymoon period you know the single comes out John Peel yeah. plays it John Peel session first album you know not too bad second album it's better but you know the tensions in the band you know they've done all the little kind of art centers and the sort of venues around the the country because UK is so small isn't it you can yeah, go around yeah. and, and there's a there was a real circuit you know definitely in the 80s and 90s but oh, then yeah. and then it kind of finishes and then there's that what happens and most people you know get a job and then but there's been so many people have been reforming haven't they and and sort of making music again or just making music without reforming I know the primitives are still sort of putting on the yeah. odd gig here and there and mighty mighty a few years ago sort of brought out a new single and did some dates as yeah. well and, yeah, we had to actually play with Mighty Mighty in Birmingham, which was uh, after all these years we did, we did a show with them. Yeah, it was it was, it was kind of fun, you know. Yes. They're nice guys, those guys. They're amazing, nice, and nice I know chaps. 
even Terry and Jerry supported status quo, which I nearly fell off my chair once when I heard uh, that. I yeah, think they were doing I mean, an they were doing a status quo were doing an acoustic set and some Terry and Jerry and it was like had to hit rewind to say I don't think that's right and it's like no it was Terry and Jerry I love that okay. single red. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I knew Terry Lilly, you know, um, he was in a band before he had Terry and Jerry called um, Vision Collision. Uh, and I think they're on that compilation as well. Yeah, Vision, we, we shared a rehearsal room with them for a while, but I, I haven't seen Terry in a million years. He's, his brother was a big um, PR guy in London right. in the 80s, New Romantic years. I mean, he was like the guy. So that was good. Yes, and I know, and I I believe Leslie from the All Pairs has uh, got an album coming out soon. So, um, oh yeah. joy, oh joy. <laughs> no, so I I actually you know look, with the with the All Pairs no sorry I shouldn't be sarcastic. No, with the All Pairs is the thing. A couple of really a couple of some really nice people in that band, and then you know and and Leslie was a good really good front woman you know. Um, um, and, and I saw them, I saw them a lot because we toured with them and I saw them a great deal. And the first couple of times I saw them, I thought they were terrible. Uh, they were just horrible, agitated crap. I just couldn't stand it. Glamorous. And then all of a sudden I saw them at the College of Food and Domestic Art in Birmingham um, and they got great. They were just superb. They were just and then that's when I started, started talking to them and and we played we played with them a lot actually they were really good to us the opers were really good to, to dance yes yes I know well we'll wait and see what comes out there you go I mean if you could have said something whispered something to your like 16 year old self starting out is there anybody oh not anybody is there something yeah. that you might have just whispered to that person even if they ignored you don't break up dance and change the bloody name Yes. That's what I should have done. I, I got swayed. Um, I got I got influenced by um, some people who remain nameless with uh, who were whispering uh, things in my ear, you know, my, my own, uh, is it Iago? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, we, we were luring me away from that band for not necessarily uh, the right reason. So, uh, you know, we, like, I should have kept that. We should have changed band name and kept the original band together. We were really good. Yes. But then the original bass player, Martin, Martin left to join Fashion, and that changed things as well because we, we were we were close. Yes. And have you, since that compilation came out, Unseen, have you been in touch with any of the members of the band? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm still in touch with. Uh, I'm still really close friends with Paul Harris, who's the guitar player. He's in Birmingham. He he plays in a garage rock and roll band called the Bad Dogs. He's still playing out, you know. He and he's a great guy, great friend. Um, and Martin, uh, the bass player, converted to Islam and lives in um, Indonesia, and he's a farmer. Uh, Nigel, the drummer, runs a, a football team in Birmingham. Tina's a massage therapist, and I don't know what Mark does. Mark lives a life of leisure. I don't yes. know. You do look, I mean, that photograph of the band does look really cool. Yeah, we, we were really cool, band. We, we were, we were, we were, yeah, we, we, we gave it some, you know? Yes. Good shows. We, we, were, we were the best live band in Birmingham at the time. There was no, there's no touching us. We had loads of people come to see us. 
we had a lot of we had, but we had a sort and it was an element of kind of like arty football hooligans <laughs> who were really into like magazine and, and, and joy division and us you know but they were all they were aligned with Birmingham City and it was it was but it was great times it was it was really good I think it was Bob Latchford wasn't it was your main man wasn't he Bob Latchford Trevor Francis you know Oh yeah, all those all those wonderful wonderful guys, Kenny. Yeah. You know. Oh God, Kenny I, I mean, Burns. I'm a, I'm a, I mean I'm a Birmingham City supporter through and through. My father was, my grandmother was, my old my uncles were. I mean I'm blues, you know. Yeah. And I love I love football. I make no apologies. No, absolutely. That that kit from the seventies was so iconic. You know, I mean. The kit, yeah. It yeah, was it was great. We, we subsequently had some rather worse ones, but that one was that was the really real corker. Yeah, no. Yeah. I st- I'm going. I'm back in England. I'm back in England in April, uh, and I've, I'm going to a home match. And I'm going to. I'm playing two shows. I'm playing Birmingham. And I'm playing London. Excellent. And and this is this is Martin Edwards and just Martin Edwards. Or? No, not Martin Edwards. No, he's. I'm not. I'm not inviting him again. He's dreadful. No, um, Matthew. Edwards. Yeah, it's just me. It's just me and Craig. As we're doing two duo shows. We're doing the Rock and Roll Brew House in Birmingham. On the 29th, and we're doing um, the Betsy Trotwood in London on the 30th. Two afternoons in England is what I'm billing it as. Excellent. It's be more the more folky elements of what we do, and the Betsy's a great spot, and the rock and roll's a great spot, and I love playing both of them. I've done both of them multiple times, so that'll be a nice little sojourn. And then I'm, I'm back over back to California for God knows what. Yes. Yes, indeed. That was me in conversation with the singer songwriter. Matthew Edwards, and um, as he mentioned, there's a couple of dates in the UK at the end of April 2023. Do check them out. Probably go to his Facebook page. That's the go-to place, isn't it, in life? Anyway, a massive thank you to Matthew for giving me the time for that. This has been The C86 Show. I'm David East. So if you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Indeed, you can. Keep it positive. Keep it groovy, please. And also, all these interviews have been archived, aren't you lucky? So you can find those on Spotify, iTunes and Podbean. Yes, indeed. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe.